Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Matthew chapter number one, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word, college and career, um, lunch after service. Am I right on that, Brother Matt? Lunch after service, so do remember that. And uh, man, I, I'm not just saying this, I love that song, my soul. That spoke to my heart, amen. And um, I've never thought about a lot of the things that they sung at that, but my goodness, it was wonderful. Uh, Matthew chapter number one, look with me in verse number 21. I want to read three verses, two or three verses here, and uh, then we'll go to Luke chapter number 2. The Bible said this, and verse number 21 of Matthew 1, And she shall bring forth a son, uh, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, uh, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, uh, which being interpreted is God with us. Now go with me to Luke chapter number 2. I want to look in verse number 11, Luke chapter number 2. Uh, back up to verse number 10. The Bible said this, For the angel said unto the Alma, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It said in verse number 21 of Matthew chapter number 1, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Verse number 23 said, They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I want to preach on this thought for just a little while this morning. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Father, I love you today. I thank you, Lord, for your blessings on our life. Oh, God, I thank you for Calvary this morning. Thank you for sending your son to die for our sins, Father. And thank you, Lord, for the great singing, Father, the choir singing, the special singing. Father, thank you, Lord, for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit in our service today. I pray over the next few minutes, God, that you'd illuminate our mind, God, and preach us in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. Help us, Lord, to say nothing that you won't, won't say it, God, and only the words, Father, that you would have said this morning, God, at the end of the service, Father, may people not say, oh, what a preacher, but Father, may they say, oh, what a Savior we serve today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to look into these verses again for just a little while and preach on that thought, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Matter of fact, you that follows any kind of music at all or has been around any churches at all hardly uh, you'll, uh, you'll remember a song uh, that was entitled this what a lovely name matter of fact the first stanza reads this way there's a name above all others uh, wonderful to hear bringing hope and cheer uh, it's the lovely name of Jesus uh, evermore the same what a lovely name uh, the name
name of Jesus. And can I say something to you today? That is a lovely name today. There is a lot of names in this world today, but there's no other name that I'd rather hear than the name of Jesus. Amen. This time of the year, we lose focus of really what it's all about. It's really not about getting together with our families, even though I enjoy doing that. On yesterday, we met with Leslie's family and had a great meal, man. We had a great time of fellowship, and I enjoy doing that. I'll meet with our family this week or my side of the family this week. I'll eat with the young adults here in just a little while, which is family, amen. Our church is family, but that's not really what this time of the year is all about. I enjoy getting gifts. Now you can say amen right there because all of you enjoy getting gifts also. But that's not really what it's all about. It's not about a big fat man that we tell our children about that slides down a chimney and never gets burned up. And you probably don't want to know my theory on all of that. But that's not what it's all about. Hear me and hear me well. If you put more emphasis on a fat man with a white beard than you do the Lord Jesus Christ. Something's wrong down at your household. Amen right there. Let me just keep moving because we're preaching about Jesus. What is this time of the year about? It's about one thing. It's about a lovely name and that's the name of Jesus today. What should be emphasized this time of the year? Jesus should be emphasized this time of the year. What should be the central attraction at the Christmas table this year? It should be Jesus this year. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus today. I want to look at these names that's mentioned about him right here, and then we'll go in. Uh, I don't guess we'll have eggs and tater tots, will we, Brother Matt? Can I put in an order now for some? He said probably for tonight. Number one, watch this. I'm going to stay right here in these verses. Number one, the Bible said, And they shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Number one, let's look at the name Jesus this morning in verse number 21. It is his preeminence this morning. His preeminence. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation today. This was the name chosen by God. It speaks of who he is. It declares his deity as the Son of God. Jesus is the name known in heaven, recognized by the angels. It is the name that brings fear to Satan and to all the forces of hell today. Jesus is preeminent. Never has a name endured the ages of time like the name Jesus has. Can I say this? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I love to go back and study the law of first mention. So what is the first mention of Jesus in our Bible today? It's Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. When you study that God out right there, 
It's uniplurality. It is talking about God the Father. Amen. God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Ghost. He said, let us make man in our own image. You see, when Jesus was born by the way of the virgin was not his beginning. It was the beginning of his humanity, but his preexistence. He always has been. He always will be. Never has a name endured of the ages of time like the name of Jesus today. Oh, his pre-existence or his preeminence this morning. I thought about this. I thought about this. Never has a name endured the ages of time like this, but also never has a name been hated like this. Never has a name been hated like this. It is the most hated name of our world today. Now you might as well say amen and help me and we'll go eat whatever we're going to eat a whole lot quicker. You say, why do you say that? It's all right to have a moment of silence in our communities today. Come on. It's all right to do that, but you better not pray in Jesus' name. Let me tell you the reason that they hate this name is because there's something different about that name. Oh, yes. I've never heard them complain about praying in Buddha's name. I've never heard them pray or complain about praying in Muhammad's name. Let me tell you the reason why. There's nothing different about any of those. They're still in a grave somewhere. Oh, but I serve a God today that's alive and well. And the reason they fear the name of Jesus is because he's alive today. Oh, yes, Jesus. I see this, number one. His preeminence, let me move. Not only do we see Jesus this morning, number two. And can I just say this? It it is him. It is him. It's still the name of Jesus that brings comfort to those in despair. Oh, yes. It is still him that brings salvation to the sinner. It is still the name of Jesus that brings hope to the hopeless. Amen. Oh, I see number one, Jesus, his preeminence. Number two, watch this, verse number 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name, watch this, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, not only Jesus, his preeminence, number two, Emmanuel, his person, his person. If you'll study this out, this name is a name that is very seldom mentioned anymore. Uh, Matter of fact, there's not many postcards that you'll find with Emmanuel on them. But can I say something to you today? This is a very, 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 very important name of Jesus Christ. You say, why? Because the meaning of this is God with us. It is God with us. Oh, yes. You'll get a hold of it in just a minute. God not around us. 
God down the road from us, but God with us. It reminds us of Jesus' humanity. He was no ordinary birth, not just another child. He came as God robed in the flesh. He came as the perfect God-man. He was born by the way of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Ghost of God. It is God with us. You see that night on the troubled waters of the Sea of Galilee when he came walking to the disciples that night. It wasn't just some ordinary man, but it was God robed in the flesh. It was the God-man. And when you and I are facing, I feel like preaching this morning, when you and I are facing troubles and you and I are facing hardships and you and I are dealing with the tragedies inside of our life. I don't know about anybody else, but it sure is good to me to know that there is somebody by the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, that gets in my storms with me. It is God with us today. Oh, yes. I think about that song. Matter of fact, we sung it uh, uh, just the other day at Miss Hyda's funeral. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. Why? Because he is with us today. Oh, yeah. What did the Bible say in John 1.1? 1, 1, it said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He said in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What did He say in Philippians 2, 7? But made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in, watch this, in the likeness of man. Oh, yeah, it's God with us. It's God with us. Listen to what he said. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. You see, without Emmanuel, uh, without Emmanuel, uh, we wouldn't have the peace that we have today. Without Emmanuel, uh, we wouldn't have salvation today. You say, how do you get that? He had to come to earth. He had to bleed. He had to, he had to come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. I, I got to thinking about that. The Bible said this, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That hardship, that trouble, that valley... Are you hearing me this morning? That bad phone call in the middle of the night. Man, I'm going to tell you what. On Tuesday afternoon, when David Williams called me and, and Trooper Glenn was David's shift partner, and whenever he called me and, and told me about Trooper Glenn getting shot, man, I hung up the phone and went to calling people and asking people to pray. And I thought, man, here's exactly what I was thinking about. Not only him, I was thinking about his wife and his children and, and, and what they was facing. 
But listen to me. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You see everything that they was feeling. And everything that you feel and everything that I feel, he's already felt. Oh yeah, he knows what it's like to be tempted and overcome temptation. He knows what it's like for his best friend to die and him to stand there and cry with the family members in, on 1135. He knows what it's like, but aren't you glad he not only knows what it's like, uh, he comes to us uh, and wraps his arms around us uh, and helps us in our time of need. Well, I was just going to talk to you, but I might preach. Jesus, he is preeminent. Emmanuel, his person. Go with me now to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2, let's look at a couple more names. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 11 says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior, Now, don't read on on those other names. You'll figure out how many points I got left, okay? A Savior. Watch this. Jesus, his preeminence. Emmanuel, his person. Savior, his purpose. That was his purpose. You say, what was the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth? The purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, Ella, was not to heal the sick. It was not to raise the dead. It was not to make the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. It was not to cast the demons out of the Gadarean maniac and Mary. But let me tell you what his purpose was. All of that was just benefits of him being around. Let me tell you what his purpose was. He had one purpose and his purpose was to live 33 and a half years and never sin the first time. Never mess up the first time. Never lose his cool the first time. And to be beaten with a cat of nine tails and a crown of thorns placed upon his head and his bowels gushed from within and hung on Calvary's tree and give up the ghost and die and go to a grave he didn't stay in the grave but while they thought he was in the grave there was business being taken care of because he defeated death, hell and the grave in one third and glorious morning he arose victorious over all of it he stuck around 40 days he reached up and pulled down a cloud and said glory please and ascended back into the heavens that was the purpose of our Savior today. You see a Savior, a Savior is someone that takes your penalty for you. You see it was you and I that should have been crucified. It was you and I it was you and I that should have had a cat of nine tails. It was you and I that should have had a crown of thorns. It was you and I that should have had the beard plucked from our face. Oh, but what a Savior we have today. His purpose today. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Romans 5, 6 said this. 
For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 1 John 4, 14 said, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior, what? Of the world. Can I just say something to you today, Savior? That was His purpose. The whole purpose of Jesus. And, and can I just say something to you right here? Calvary was not an afterthought to God. When God created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God didn't all of a sudden go, Oh, no. What am I going to do? Somebody give me some Xanax. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, I've made this, and now they've made it. Oh, no. What am I going to the Bible said this, that Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world was ever made. Hear me. Before you was ever conceived in your mother's womb. Before you was ever conceived in your mother's womb. God knew what you would do. I believe in the foreknowledge of God. You say, are you a Calvinist? Absolutely, I'm not a Calvinist. It's everybody's free will whether or not they get saved. Somebody say amen. amen. But I believe in the foreknowledge of God would stand. He knew how many times you'd fail him. He knew how many times Miss Shannon would fail him. He knew how many times Miss Shannon would fuss you out and throw frying pans at you, but he still loved Miss Shannon. I, I, he knew Brother Tim. He knew Miss Mitzi. But Tim's got a band-aid on the side of his head because she got mad at him and stabbed him with a fork this morning at the breakfast table. And then they got up and acted like everything was fine and sung the glory down this morning. I guess she repented before she got here. What I'm saying is that he knew everything about us. Tim, he knew every time you'd mess up. He knew every time that you would fail him before you was ever born. Miss Vicky, he knew that you would live a lie of being a Christian for all those years, but still chose in a youth camp of all places to give you another chance and to speak to your heart one more time. And he knew even if you did accept him at that time that you'd still fail him, but he'd still give you another chance. That's a Savior this morning. That's a Savior this morning. You say, well, preacher, I'm a good person. There's none good, no, not one. That's what the Word of God said. There's none good, no, not one. Well, I'm a pretty good. No, you're really not. <laughs> I may think I'm a good person, but according to the Bible, there's none of us good. God knew what we would do, and yet He still loved us. What a Savior this morning. What a lovely name. The name of Jesus. Jesus, his preeminence, Emmanuel, his person, Savior, his purpose. Watch this. The Bible said, the city of, uh, of David, a Savior, which is Christ. I see his priesthood. I see his, see, y'all thought I was going to use Christ and Lord as the same one, and y'all thought we was about, I still got two more, okay? His priesthood this morning. This is very important. You see a lot of people, and I don't want to get too deep on this, but I want to explain it too. A lot of people don't understand the priesthood of Jesus Christ. You see, after Adam and Eve, uh, 
back up several thousand years. It's not billions of years. There's, not, there's no history of that. But let's back up several thousand right here. Adam and Eve was born. The reason Adam and Eve was born was for one reason, or they wasn't born, they was created. I wonder if Adam had a belly button. You ever thought about that? You think he did? Probably. That's something to think about, though, isn't it? Have you ever thought about it? He said, no, I hadn't. I don't know what made me think about that all of a sudden, but and have you ever thought about if Adam had a belly button? I well. Did he, Dad? You're the you're the theologian here. Yeah, quit talking. I'm talking to you. Did he have a belly button? He didn't need one. All right. Adam was created. I'm sorry, I have ADD every once in a while. Adam was created. And Adam was created for one reason. Adam was created not necessarily to take care of the earth. Adam was created so God could fellowship with him. God longed to fellowship with mankind. He created Adam, he created Eve, so he could fellowship with them. He walked with them in the cool of the day, and he talked with them. Adam and Eve sinned, both of them. I, I know the woman made the first move and got us all in trouble, but it's both of them. I didn't get one. I didn't get one. Amen, right there. <laughs> Come back here. It's both of them, and he messed up. And after that, God come walking in the cool of the day, and said, "Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou?" It wasn't that God didn't know where Adam was at. God knew where Adam was at. God wanted Adam to realize where he was at. Adam had tried to sew some things together. That's works. It'll never get it done. Your good works will never bring you back in fellowship with the Lord. Adam tried to sew some things together and they tried to put some fig leaves on them and, and, and it didn't work. And God went and made a sacrifice and made coats of skin for them and clothed them that day. That fellowship was restored because of that. Sacrifice had to be made. In order for man to be in fellowship with God, from that point on, blood had to be shed, sacrifice had to be made. All throughout the Old Testament, the high priest would shed blood, would make a sacrifice, would go in and place the blood on the atonement seat, and, and, and all. I'm not going to take time to go through all that. We'll go into the holies of holies, and that sacrifice would be made where they could have fellowship with God. But also all throughout the Old Testament, matter of fact, Genesis 3.15 is the first time it's mentioned. He talks about his heel bruising the head of Satan. That's Christ right there in that verse. It begins prophesying. There's a man coming by the way of a virgin. Jesus is on the way. The Messiah is on the way. Hey, the Savior is on the way. Emmanuel, God with us, is on the way. And all the way up to Calvary, you know what had to happen? There had to be a blood sacrifice made. Once a year, they would take that blood atonement in. They would make that sacrifice. Man would be all right, would be back in fellowship. But you know what happened on Calvary? If you remember the story of all of it, there's a section in there in the Scripture that says, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. And you know what Jesus done on Calvary that day? He became our high priest. 
He became Christ, his priesthood. He became our high priest. You, you see, you, you remember Mary came to him in the garden and he says, you can't touch me. You remember that? He says, you can't touch me. But somewhere between there and when Thomas comes to him, he tells Thomas, you can thrust your hand into my side. It really is me. Somewhere right in there. You want me to tell you what I believe happened? I believe that he ascended back into the mercy seat. He took the blood of the spotless Lamb of God and placed it on the mercy seat that day. And because of that, now you and I have fellowship with the Father. Now when we mess up, we can go to our high priest and the sacrifice has been made and we have fellowship with him Christ his priesthood I thought about this let me just read you something I, I read and I'll be done the Greek word is Christos and means the same as the Hebrew Messiah Christ is the Messiah the anointed one. He is the one they had longed for. The one the prophets preached about. The anointed one had come. In the name Christ, we see him as the holy high priest. Jesus came to provide redemption. But through him, we have much more than just forgiveness. He ascended back to the Father, placing his blood on the mercy seat, thus forever removing the veil of separation that separated us from God. Christ provided a means by which we can approach the Father. Every born-again Christian has direct access to the throne room of God. He stands as our mediator making intercession for us today. What a lovely name. Can I show you one more? He says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I see Jesus. Come start playing softly, if you will, Miss Tanya. Jesus, His preeminence, Emmanuel, His person, Savior, His purpose. Christ, His priesthood. But last of all this morning, and I'm done, Lord, His power. Lord, His power. What did He say? Christ the Lord. Jesus is also known as Lord. This particular name speaks of his supreme authority. He is our master. We serve the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. It is his power. Can I say something to you today? Everybody is interested in Savior. Everybody Everybody's interested in a Savior. I've never met one person that said, in all honesty and sincerity, that they wanted to die and go to hell and be judged for their sins. I've never met one person. Everybody's interested in a Savior. But hear me. He's also Lord. He's not just our Savior. He is our Lord. He is who we answer to. It's who we live our life for, His power. I thought about this. There's never been a time when Jesus wasn't Lord. Jesus, He didn't become Lord. He is Lord. 
He may have just become Lord in your life, but He's always been Lord. He stood as Lord in glory with the Father. He was Lord on earth, possessing complete authority. He was Lord over the waves, the demons, all manner of sickness, and even death. His power today, He is Lord. He is Lord. You say, preacher, you don't know the demons that I'm facing. You don't know the demons that attack me. And I just, I'm not going to preach on the spirit world right here, but it's real. I'm telling you, it's real. These demons in the Word of God, and they're still demons today. If you're saved, you can't be possessed with a demon, but you can be oppressed by a demon. You can be oppressed by them. And those things, have you ever heard somebody say this? We've all got our own demons. You're exactly right. And it's oppression from our past that those demons bring back. A lot of times we say this. I want you to, don't nobody fall out with me, okay? Boy, the devil sure has been on my back. Probably he hasn't. It, it probably is not the devil. It's probably a demon. You study the Word of God. There's not but just two or three in there that we have record of of the devil coming against. One of them was Job. Of course, one of them's Christ. One of them's Paul. But there's not, you see, the devil is not omnipresent. There's not but one that's omnipresent, that's God. The devil's not everywhere at the same time. But when the devil walked out of heaven, and was condemned to hell. The Bible said there was a host of angels followed him, and that's his demons today. And it's those demons that we battle the biggest time. You may be sitting here today and you're saying, Preacher, you just don't understand. You just don't know what I'm dealing with. You just don't know what I'm faced with. You don't know the demons that's attacking me. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Hear me and hear me well. I don't have to know your past. I don't have to know what you've been through. I know a God that is powerful enough to give you victory over that. The Gadarean maniac went home clothed in his right mind in the Word of God. Went home clothed in his right mind. Let me tell you the reason why. He allowed the Savior to stop by his house and become Lord to him. His power this morning. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter the struggles that you're in right now, I promise you there's the Lord, His power today. He can give you victory over that. The devil loves for us to walk around in defeat. I believe in the doctrine of eternal security. It's one of the clearest doctrines in the Word of God. The doctrine of eternal security. You say, what is the doctrine of eternal security? Right here it is. Once saved, always saved. I got saved July the 20th, 1994. And I'll never be lost again in my life. You say, well, what if you do this? or what? I'll never be lost again in my life. I'm saved. That's, that's right out of the Word of God. So you can go do anything you want to. No, I can't. 
See, God put the Holy Ghost inside of me, and when I do start to do the things I want to do, the Holy Ghost convicts me of that and shows me I'm wrong. And then the Word of God says, and those whom I loveth, I correcteth. He says He'll correct them. He says, if you can live a life without correction, now this is your Bible. This is your Bible. He said, if you can live a life without correction, then we're bastards and not sons. That's what the Word of God said. We're not His. We're not His. Eternal security. The day I got saved, I got saved as much as I'm ever going to get saved. The devil knows he can't take that away from me. But if he can take my joy away from me, then I will not be a productive Christian. Why? Because all my joy is gone. But I do not have to live a joyless life because His humanity, Him here, Emmanuel, God with us. As a matter of fact, I read it this week in my Bible reading, going through my Bible again, and I read that passage over there where Jesus was tempted. And three different times Jesus said this, It is written. Every time Jesus was tempted, He fought Satan off with this book right here, the Word of God. You can take that passage and run it back to the the Old Testament and find every one of them statements. He fought Him with the Word of God. His power today. Don't allow Satan to steal your joy and to steal your happiness. Hey, He's already won the victory for us. I just refuse to walk around in defeat. I refuse to walk around with my head down. I refuse to walk around depressed and and worried. I just refuse to. God's too good for me to do that. What a lovely name. The name of Jesus.